you are here on purpose with a purpose by design. Hey, welcome back to Purpose by Design. You're here on purpose with a purpose by design. Thank you for showing up. I am Dr. Pamela Hinkle and with me today, good friend, some of you have seen and heard him before on the podcast, but back for our wholeness and health on purpose series is Reverend Jim Hockaday. Yay! Nice to be with you, Pamela. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, I'm so thrilled that you came. We have a lot to discuss in this hour together and to learn from you. Would you just open up by telling us a little bit about you for those that don't know you? Sure. Um, you know, I was saved at a very young age, uh, grew up more denominational in thinking. So everything we're talking about today, uh, actually for half of my life was pretty foreign to me. And so um, then, you know, Things began to change after high school, after college. I went to Wheaton College, uh, graduated in 83, and then got into musical groups, started traveling around the country, uh, which was really, really fun and a real blessing uh, for me to be a part of certain different groups. And of course, now I'm meeting all kinds of different people. And even at Wheaton College, I met individuals who had different thoughts about the Lord. I mean, I grew up pretty much thinking everything we heard was um, the gospel truth. There was no variation and any other variation must be wrong. And so now I'm meeting people that I could tell had great hearts, loved the Lord, but had some different ideas. Some had some ideas about healing, some about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And and of course, as an inquisitive individual, that caused me to start thinking and open up my heart to uh, the baptism of the Spirit of God and just being led by the Holy Ghost. I remember my first book that I read that was different from anything that I had read before was E.W. Kenyon's book, From the Cross to the Throne. And of course, anybody that's read that uh, knows that's a pretty phenomenal book all about redemption. And uh, and so that just really opened my eyes as well. And of course, you can't read E.W. Kenyon fast. You have to read that slow. So it took some time. And uh, then one thing to the next, uh, I ended up at Rainbow Bible Training Center in eight, 1986. And I went to school. And before I was done in 1988, I was hired with the Ramus Singers and Band to travel with Brother Hagen and the Crusade team and to uh, sing in the group. And so that was a real blessing to me. Um, what a great opportunity. Uh, you know, everything about that was totally brand new. And so I still even remember, you know, the day they told me, don't drop the profit. And I thought, well, I thought this was a nonprofit organization. <laughs> and so then they said, no, that's Brother Hagen. You can't drop the profit. And of course, in my, you know, earlier thinking my whole life, we didn't have prophets. You know, those weren't a part of the new covenant. We just had pastors. We had evangelists and we had missionaries. And that's pretty much. And then, of course, Sunday school teachers. So the apostle and prophet wasn't something that I even grew up having a consciousness about. And so I learned a lot traveling with Brother Hagen, being a part of the singers and band. And then after seven years, uh, I came off the road, my wife, Erin and I, we traveled for a couple of years together. And after seven years, then I came off the road and did the prayer and healing center there at the Kenneth Hagen Ministries for the next 10 years. And so I preached quite a bit during that time. I'd say on average around 500 times a year traveling out and then preaching oh, multiple times every single week. And so, uh, Pamela, that's really where things began to change because 
you know, I didn't really know a whole lot. I mean, I, I learned what I learned at school, but you remember everything about learning, especially if it's more university type, there's a day that comes where you actually have to use your information. And so, you know, traveling with Brother Hagen was really wonderful. He would use me at times. And uh, in, in certain degrees, I was able to, you know, function really well. But now on my own, I had to learn it for myself. I didn't have him to, to back me up and turn to him and say, okay, that's as far as I can go. You take it. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was a great learning experience. And when you preach that much, you just stumble over some things. So it wasn't so much how smart I was. It's just how desperate I was for God to help me to help the people. And that really shaped my life and began to really show me um, one of the key principles that I always live by, and that is if you're not willing to be wrong, you'll never be right. Wow. If you're not willing to be wrong, you will never be right. That is a really, that just, I want to pause on that. That is a key principle for you, you said? How did that come yes. about? It's beautiful. Well, you know, that's, that's a sign of humility, a sign of repentance, and the grace of God needs humility and repentance in order to work. And of course, humility and repentance is one of those chicken and the egg thing. You know, which one comes first? Do you get humble and then repent or do you repent and there's humility? It doesn't really matter, but they go together. And I guess really all my life, I, I had that kind of mentality. So that was something that I grew up with. Um, I even remember going to Rama, you know, and standing. I, I, I literally was standing in line at Niagara University an hour before my plane left and it took 45 minutes to get there. And I'm standing in line to register for my master's degree. And then I would have just stayed home, not gone to Rama. I would have used the summers to travel and sing and kind of do a little bit of, you know, preaching type of thing to my limited degree. And I just looked at my dad and I said, you know, something inside of me tells me I need to get to that airport, dad. And I said, I'll make you a deal. If I'm wrong, I have no problem telling the whole family I'm wrong. And then I'll come back at the end of this year and I'll, I'll enroll at Niagara University the 1st of uh, 1987, the 1st of January. And I said, and then I'll do what you guys think that I should do. I said, if that's the case, it'll be fine. Well, see, you know, one of the things that, that will propel you forward, or I should say the only thing is the grace of God. Yes. You know, it's not about what we know. It's actually about what he knows. And God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. So when you're willing to be wrong, that's when grace will make sure you're right. Mm, that is so powerful. So you said to your dad, I'm, give me a year. And if if I'm wrong, I'll come back and tell the whole family. So he yeah, actually, I just said, give me what, uh, four months? Wow. So it was September that I'm leaving. And I said, if, if I've missed it, then I'll come home at December at the break and I won't go back and I'll enroll, you know, in the in the winter session there at Niagara University. So I, my point in saying that really has followed me all this time, which which is why, you know, why argue about or put up a front about whether you are right or not when you don't even know if you're right or not. It's just so much better to just be open hearted and open minded to God leading and guiding you than it is to just get stuck. And so this is one of the things, uh, Pamela, that I see. I mean, even through all these many years of what, 35 years of ministry, um, when I share things that I do, uh, if, if it's something that's a little different, it's really interesting to watch the faces of many, many pastors, men and women, to see them squirm with something that might be a little different. 
I've shared things about wonderful, tangible results and things that have happened. And I've literally had people look at me and say, mm, okay, all right, well, that's good. That's good. And you'd think they'd say, hey, tell me more. Why did that work? Right. And, and that was always my position. So for instance, during those 10 years at, at Rama, um, we had thousands of people being healed and God was doing it and he was sharing things through me. I mean, I even remember the first prayer I made that made the change. I mean, we're not seeing anything for the first three months. And, and I'm preaching my heart out using everybody else's material. And I finally got on my face and said, God, you have to change me. I said, the people are sheep. And it doesn't mean they're, they're not smart. It just means sheep need to be led. And that's why you put people in the body of Christ. It's not your fault. It's not their fault. It has to be me. So if you'll change me, we can change healing school. And again, that's a good prayer. Now, I didn't think, Jim, you have to pray a prayer of humility. But again, if, if you're not walking in this place of trying to be something and trying to be right, then what do you want? I want more. At, at what degree do you want more? I'll lay my life down. It doesn't matter if I'm wrong. It doesn't matter if I have to say, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. Help me to know. Those are the kind of prayers that get answered because that's an advancement to spiritual things. We're always praying prayers about cars and about houses and about clothes and about a better job. Now, now God really loves you to have a better job and he wants you nicely clothed and he wants you to have a home to live in and drive a car. And I'm sure he wants you to have a better one than a worse one. But again, those things are things that pertain to the earth. Yes. Things that pertain to the spirit and the advancement of the kingdom of God, those prayers will be answered. And those prayers need to come from a place of letting God be the one in control <laughs> instead of trying to figure it out yourself. And I've just not found that to be uh, very common in where I've traveled. I've found people to be very stuck and they won't ask questions. And questions are the only way to get to answers. Oh my gosh, that is so rich, Jim, Reverend Jim. You said the advancement of spiritual things and that because people aren't praying that way, then they're trying to figure it out, which is keeping them out of being out of humility because they're trying to figure it out. Right. And it's then they're stuck. Hence, they're finding lack of wholeness in their spirit and their soul and their body in their relationships in everything having sickness not knowing how to get rid of it and not knowing what they need to do how to even come to god would he heal me is healing real all of this stemming back to being stuck that's yeah. really powerful and i'd love you to share some more about that and connect it to your healing ministry because that's what you do i've 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 I'm a testimony of it because uh, some things that I've walked through with you and that you have been able to just speak a God word into my life. But I've always loved you take, I want to say the road less traveled. You know, there is, there is, you know, just, okay, God is a healer and that is it and that's all. But then there's that road less traveled of saying things like what I wrote down here, the advancement of spiritual things, not having to uh, be right all the time. Or if God does something that doesn't look like what it's the cookie cutter presentation of what healing in a Christian community should look like. We just let God be God and not uh, question everything, not put a question mark at the end of it all. I love this. So elaborate a little bit more and tell us about healing by design. 
Okay, so just to help people know, I mean, my presentation even thus far, talking about humility and all that kind of thing. Well, you know, I'm just like anybody else. You know, you struggle with sometimes not even knowing you're in pride and and you're a young kid and you're competitive. I played sports. Sure, there's there's an element of pride there. There's an element of of a, a competition that's really big in me. What knocked the fire out of me was being in prayer and healing school. You, you know, when you're in a prayer and healing school, it, it's not just school. If I'm teaching in a school, to a certain degree, the requirement is to teach a subject, the subject matter, and endeavor to do it in a way where the students come away with the general knowledge of that subject matter, which allows them at a later time to, to get back into it and begin to open it up so it becomes real to them. You know, that, that seems to be the normal purpose for any university type setting. But the moment you're in a prayer school and healing school, it's different. I mean, what would healing school be without a healing and what would prayer school be without an answered prayer? So now you can just say it like this. You don't have to even go more than one week before you realize, um, I'm not really good at this. Mm -hmm. Like no one got healed this week. And, oh, I just heard that someone died last week that I prayed for. Yeah. Um, we didn't really get too far in prayer school. We didn't really, you know, have an anointing on us while we prayed. I mean, one thing after another, you're constantly being, being bombarded with, uh, this is supposed to be successful and we're not having success. And so I put up with about two and a half months of that. Um, really and truly, you know, I put up with that one week of that and I was already on a quest. But I didn't know where I was going because I was surrounded by people who were doing it in a particular way. And so two and a half months of that right into November and I got on my face and I said, God changed me. And then, of course, the break came of, of Christmas break and I opened my heart up and God started showing me things. And, and our book called Living in the Miraculous Guaranteed are the first sermons that God began to show me. And really, the, the main point was uh, the blood covenant. And I saw in the blood covenant the absoluteness of God. And, and that is a main pillar to the Christian's life is the absoluteness of God. God doesn't waver. God is straight-laced. He is absolute. What he says is, and it's never not going to be. So the moment you begin to accept those realities, then that begins to give you the boldness to step beyond yourself because self is always concerned about what, what, what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't happen? Um, oh God, I don't want to you know, embarrass myself, embarrass you. And now we're all into ourselves. But when God says something so absolute, now that is for you to be able to step beyond yourself and put yourself, like A.W. Tozer said, in a position on purpose where you can't go back, where God has to rescue you. And that is what we see in the word of God, what people did. And, and Paul called it faith. Like, for instance, Pamela, the faith chapter, Hebrews 11. None of those people who are in the faith chapter do what we've been instructed to do in the faith camp. None of them. <laughs> None of them had their scriptures out and were going over them every day with confessions and working on saying things like, I'm, I got to hear and hear and hear and hear. I'm not ready yet. I need to hear more. I need to hear more. It's not dropped down into my heart. Oh, God, please help me to get this down into my heart. None yeah. of them did that. None of them. Right, right. All they did was they had an encounter with God himself. And out of that re encounter, they responded 
even if it didn't look good, they still responded to their encounters. So they esteemed God himself greater than anything they could see or even themselves. And they stepped beyond themselves, put themselves in positions where it didn't look good, but because God had told them to do so and they responded, they saw results. And that's what Paul called faith. <laughs> Today, if he were writing a faith chapter about the faith camp, he'd have to say, this is, this is, this isn't really how it works. Right. You know, it's not about your work. It's about his work. Let him be real. And this brings us right front and center to where I am today. And I'm not trying to be contentious to how people say what they say and do what they do and preach what they preach. But come on, everybody, be, be, be sense, have enough sense to look and see. Are you getting anywhere? Do you have any results? How's it working for you? I know that sounds a little like a smart aleck, but the truth is, if you can't ask the bigger question, which is, is it working for me? And if you come up wanting, then stop going the same direction you're going. Yes. Step back a moment and ask some questions. Those kind of questions come up with answers like what I just said, Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter. And it looks nothing like the faith camp today. You see, the one thing that I pull away from my experience with Brother Hagen, who I esteem so very highly, is he knew God. He experienced God. He listened to him. He saw him. He, God was real to him. When it came to the time of the test, he could always rely on his relationship with God. That's why the things he said and the things he did actually connected because he was connected to God himself. If people aren't connected with God himself and they're just connected to the Bible, I know that, I know, I know. You may get letters, Pamela, for me saying that. But listen, everybody, that is not heresy. Yes, I know the scriptures are inspired utterance from God through man to our hearts. So you can say the word is Jesus. Yes, but when you get to heaven, you're not going to hug and embrace a book. You're going to embrace a person, and that person is more than just the Bible. It's like saying, all I need is Betty Crocker's cookbook, but what would happen if Betty came today and said, could we cook together? And most of the camp would say, no, Betty, you can't cook with me. I have your book. Hmm. You see, God is the one that the book reveals and the Bible leads you to an experience with him. And it's not that you can't receive from the scriptures, but receiving from the scriptures is still receiving from him. How do you even know what the scriptures mean? Don't we understand in 1 Corinthians in chapter 2, the, the, the whole thing that Paul gave us, this expose of saying that the naturally carnal mind cannot receive the things of the spirit. Only the man that is born of the Spirit can receive the things of the Spirit for the Holy Ghost who digs into the depth of God and pulls out information for you, reveals these things to you. So read the Bible and try to make, under, try to make sense of it if you don't know the Holy Ghost. It even comes back to the Holy Spirit being real to you to get revelation. That's what revelation is. It's the Spirit of God revealing to your heart what the Scriptures are saying so it's not a book with words, it is life and it is spirit and it produces results. These are the things that 
Pamela, I'll, I'll stop right here, let you interject. But these are the things that are so necessary right now to reveal to the body of Christ. We have to get past information and over into inspiration. That is so powerful. Get into inspiration. And you know, it's, it's time. I mean, I think it's past time, right? Like this needs to be happening. There are places and spaces all over the world where people are getting this and they're not even in the quote church, right? So we as the church, the body of Christ, the believers, those that are born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, shouldn't we be leading this quest? Shouldn't we be the ones that are living a supernatural life that are yes. living a life in the spirit and not a regimented religious. It has to be this way, right? Type of life. It should be a life that is there's freedom and there is letting God. I like to say, don't just we can go beyond the sky's the limit. Why does there have to be a limit? Why? Why do we put God in a box? And I well, think that's, that's totally true. And the spirit realm has no limitation and no boundary. But everything about this world does. So what happens is being in the world and letting it rub off on you, you'll bring limitation of the world into the church. I mean, think of this. Just last month, we, we were finally able to. It took 365 days. And we were finally able to tell mom she was special. And in, in another week, a couple of weeks, we're finally, I mean, we've been wanting to tell dad he was special, but we can only do it once a year. <laughs> right. Do, do you see what I mean? You We take these things into the church and these are things of the world, reasoning, conjecture, compromise. These are not spiritual terms, but we learn these in the, in the world and then we take them into the church and we water down what's so absolute and so what's so true. So this is going to be, you know, maybe hard for some hearers to hear. But again, these things, I didn't come on here to be contentious. I came on here to be more absolute and see. And, and of course, that's what I'm endeavoring to live my in my life as well. I can be very transparent to say our habits, patterns and routines of yesterday get in the way yep. of, of, of the, the, the absoluteness of God and a relationship that will go forward. So this is a every day, and it's not I work, work, work at it. It's an everyday experience God and let him begin to change our perspective way of life. See, what we've learned is every day you're going to work harder. But, but Pamela, think about this. If, if Paul said that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is already being given to us, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. And we see in Peter, Peter makes mention of all things that pertain to life and godliness have already been given to you. What does that seem to say, but the walking in the benefit of that can't be effort? Like yeah. if it's already been given, there can't be a lot of effort to this. Mm. So mm -hmm. if you're giving a lot of effort to this, you have to be missing what has already been given. Because if it's already mine, I don't have to get a healing. I just really need to walk with the Holy Ghost and allow the Spirit of God to bring forth a healing. See, every healing testimony that comes, if you dissect it, do a di dialysis or an analysis, you will always come up with one thing for sure. The Holy Ghost was involved. And you know how this works. You'll be listening to somebody and they say, well, you know, I was just prompted to. Who prompted you? I just felt in my heart, who made you feel in your heart? 
I heard a voice. What voice was that that you heard? Did it bring greater sickness or did it bring deliverance and healing? Well, it must have been the Lord. I was led. How were you led? Who led you? You see, every single healing, when you listen, you can always find the Holy Ghost involved somehow, some way in that healing testimony. And that's different from those that are quoting a million scriptures all day long, working their fingers to the bone, going through the pages, trying to get information and working so hard, trying to pray into the Holy Ghost until they're almost wore out. And then they wonder why they're not healed. Now, in and of themselves, every one of those things, the confession, the worship, the, the reading of scripture, the praying in the Holy Ghost, all of those are contributions to the relationship that's real in God. But the relationship has to be real in God first. Yes. Now, those things will contribute to greater clarity, greater focus, greater tangibility of God in your life where I'm not walking alone. God is really real and I'm experiencing him. Well, then what things help you to experience him more? My time of worship, my confession, the things that I read, my time in prayer. Well, good. Do those things. Because those will help the relationship become more and more real. Mm. But the reality of the tangibleness of God has to become true for every human soul. Because in that tangibility is where we find every healing and every victory report. Wow. Wow. So you're saying, and just repeating this back, I want everybody to, I want this to sink in. It's about a relationship. It's about a relationship. And so all those things that you may have been doing because you think it's duty, you think that you're going to say enough scriptures, you say that you think you're going to read enough word, that that's going to make God love you more or cause that healing to manifest in your body or the reason that so-and-so didn't get it is they didn't, they didn't have enough faith. You're saying that none of that. No, I don't want to say none of that matters because it's about a relationship. But we're doing these things with God and for God because we love God and we want to have a living, vital relationship with him. Just like a parents, parents do. I do with my children. I don't want my kids to come to me and say, oh, mother, I love thee and sound all King Jamesy about it. I, I want them to come to me and love me because they love me. And they're not doing that to get stuff from me. I'm going to bless them regardless because they're my children and I love them and I want good to happen to them. Yeah, so yeah. the whole idea, no matter where you are, whether you don't know God today or you've been walking in, in a faith circle for 40 years, God is looking at you the same way. He loves you. You're his child and he will give you all the promises. And we're talking about healing today. Promises of healing are yes and amen for you. And it's not based on how much you pray, although we should pray, how many scriptures you can quote, although we should quote them, how many songs you worship and do your hands go up when you do it. It's about a love eternal from God that he wants to do it, has made a way to do it. Is that what we're trying to grab a hold of today, Jim? Yeah, it's, it's the living connection with God. And I know that's a big word I use, and I don't try to just wear that one out like we've worn other ones out. Yeah. But, no. you know, you can, you can dance, 
in a building, you can sing in a building, you can read scriptures in a building, you can pray as loud as you want. And if the wires aren't connected, you still don't have electricity. Right. You, you know, electricity has to be connected so that when the switch is turned on, there's actually an experience. Mm. Now, this is the interesting. I'll just give you a quick little testimony of a man that just got saved recently. And, uh, and of course, his testimony is so wonderful because when he got saved, like the majority of people that get saved, there was such a knowing in his heart, tears to his eyes, a feeling and a sense of overall wellness and wholeness. And, and he said he grabbed his heart and kept on saying, what happened to me? What happened to me? Yes. What's happened to me? Because there was something so real around him. I mean, the aura of this guy is, yes. I'm, I'm on fire. Something happened to me. God's real. Okay, well, just within a couple of weeks of doing all the duties that we put people to. Read, read, read. Have all these scriptures. Have all these, you know, sermons that you're going to try to do. And you're going to try to advance, you know, by getting all this information. And after a couple of weeks, you know, he, he's like, I, I messed up this week and I just don't have that feeling anymore. And I feel bad about myself and da, 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 da. And of course, obviously there's certain instruction that we can give him, but I laid hands on him with a tangible presence of God. And all of a sudden pff, tears yeah. are back in his eyes. He said that, I said, now that's the feeling you had when you got saved, isn't it? He said, absolutely. I said, well, that's what you have to protect. I said, because that's God in your heart and you're now aware of him. I said, the interesting thing is, if you do all the other things to try to get what you've already got, I said, then you'll move away from him being real and you'll end up just having religion. You have to guard your heart against that. And so that's one of the things I'm saying. I can't tell you how many testimonies of individuals that, that hear me share things like this will come and almost kind of like in secret telling me, like, I don't want anybody to hear. You know, <laughs> when I first got saved, I had all these amazing experiences with God. He was so real to me. I write down all kinds of things in my journals. I mean, I even got a healing. I said, did you get any answers to prayers? He said, Some, they would tell me. Most of the time I didn't even pray, but the answers were there. What does that sound like? It kind of sounds a little bit like Matthew chapter six and how that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Mm -hmm. In other words, have a relationship with him and then God just brings all the things that we would normally pray about to us. Mm. And so they would tell me this and then this is what they would say, but, and I say, can I finish the story for you? And they'll say, well, well what do you mean? I said, well, it's always the same. And they say, okay, I guess you can. And I said, well, people found out you had testimonies, yeah. And I said, and then they are well-meaning Christians and they told you you needed to go to church. Yes. And I said, how long did you go to whatever church you went to until the experiences stopped? And they said, well, and it's usually always between two weeks and two months. Well, a couple of months and then it stopped. Yes. And how long have you been going there still? Well, they told me I had to go. So how long has it been? Well, 15 years, and you haven't experienced God like you did at the beginning. No, and you never figured out that by going there, you lost it. And then they'll just look at you and say, well, they told me I had to go. I said, well, mm -hmm. the idea of being with other believers is scriptural, but maybe you have to be careful which ones you get around. If you get around the ones that never get any answers, isn't it possible that you'll end up never get any answers? Now, see, this is this is tough information to share. 
Because people can take this wrong. And of course, you know, everybody that's listening, this is not Miss Pamela's fault. This is me. You can go <laughs> and send the letters to me. She's a very sweet lady and she's got a purpose with this with this program. And uh, maybe she, I don't think she'll regret having me on. But Not at all. No, this, this is what I want. Yeah, this is but this is the way God has me to think. You say, well, what do you mean? Listen, everyone, somebody has to stop for a moment and just smell the coffee or whatever you want to say and just ask the bigger questions. You see, let me see, let me share this. You could have 10,000 people in your church. And as far as the world is concerned, that's an amazing, uh, successful business. Do they keep coming? Yeah, every week. Do they keep paying? Uh, they do. Well, have you ever asked the 10,000 how many of them can get an answer to their own prayer? Well, no, I haven't asked that. Well, that yeah, right. The reason why you don't want to ask that is because the moment you ask that, you're going to find out that there's about two little ladies over there in the corner that are the only two that can get an answer to their prayer. And then you're going to find out that 9,998 people are what? That you're a failure. See, this is what prayer and healing school did to me, Pamela. We'd get three people healed, and I'd want to run around the building until all of a sudden it hit me. How many did we pray for? Mm. We prayed for 50, and three got healed. Well, congratulations for the three. Try to learn something and, and be excited about the three. But the truth is, you are a big failure. I mean, if I have if I have six out of a hundred, that means I'm only a six percent success. Come on, if I've got a, a brand new restaurant and I served a hundred people and 90, 93 of them or 94 of them had food poisoning, six of them loved it. <laughs> How long will it take until I'm out of business? Right. Yes. But the church business is the only business in the world that can fail miserably and still keep the doors open. Wow. I'm not trying to be mean, everybody. I'm saying that if you want to know about me personally, then this is kind of the wacko mentality I have. But I got it by having to be honest with myself instead of trying to run the numbers and make it look like I was doing something and try to feel good when I've got the majority of the people that I laid hands on are still not being healed. Yeah. So what did that do? It caused me to ask the bigger questions. Oh, God, please help me because I'm not being successful. It's not being successful so I can be on TV, so I can have my own ministry. My goodness, years ago, I passed all that up, Pamela. I had someone that had made Bob Tilton a $1.2 million a day ministry. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and said, I can do the same for you. And this person is a wonderful person and has nothing to do with him. But inside, I knew I cannot do this. Sure. Somehow I knew if I build a monster and have myself this big, huge thing to try to keep going, I will never be able to change, shift, and move in the place God wants me to be able to say the things that are necessary to say. True. So when you're not huge and you fail, no one even knows. That's a whole lot better than everybody knowing you, right. you know? So I stayed small on purpose so that God could lead me and guide me to get some of these kind of truths that would actually help more in the end than me being a big ministry and still 
leading people astray with wrong percentages. Mm -hmm. does, that, does that make sense? I'll let you interject. I'm not trying to take over, but this yeah. is an interesting subject that people don't like to talk about. And it's not like I love to talk about it. It's just somehow it evolved on this program to talk like this. But, but folks, listen, if you're able to look at your life and it's okay if you look at it without saying, I am the, 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 the conqueror in Christ. Well, for a moment, ask yourself, how much of that is working in my life? And if you come up with mm, not a lot, then pull back because it's not a lack of information. You can probably quote nine tenths of the healing scriptures by memory, but you're still dying. Pull back. And get along with God. Go to a happy place. Go to a park. Go somewhere where it's easy to find him and let him talk to you. Be real to you so that the spirit of God now connects with your spirit. And there is a power now available to change those percentages and give you the victory that you know you should have. Mm, that is so powerful. And Jim, this is exactly the type of direction. Didn't exactly know what that direction was, but I knew that there was something here today that was going to go outside the box because I know that's how God operates in you and through you. And there's a lot of people out there that'll talk about healing, you know, supernatural healing. God healed me. Uh, this is how you do it. And you read this book and you quote this scripture. And there's lots of things that a person can learn about how to take better care of themselves, take this vitamin. I mean, all that stuff is out there. But when you are faced with a diagnosis or your body is hurting and aching and you are feeling like you are doing, I'm doing everything. I'm taking my CBD oil. I'm doing my turmeric. I'm reading my 50 scriptures. I'm declaring them every day. I know that Jesus is my healer. I, I've, I've, I've got on an airplane and I flew out to this big healing evangelist and yet I'm still hurting in my body, yet I'm still sick. My body is still feeling this way. We have to unravel and pull back the layers. We got to unpack it and look there because if we don't, there are many other places out there that will pull back layers, but they won't point a person back to that living vital relationship that you're talking about. They'll point them to other things. And not that those yeah. other things might not have some te temporary help for them, but it's not what we are calling for when we are saying that Jesus is our healer. And I love how you are, are pulling back the layers, unpacking this today and bringing the responsibility back on us. We have to take full responsibility for, I have to take responsibility for my relationship with God for my part. I have to take responsibility for my relationship as a wife, my part, right? And yeah. it's pointing back to all of that and taking responsibility and maybe having to shake out the cobwebs of what had been taught to us or that we internalized wrong because sure. people are getting healed. And I know you said smaller ministry for you, Reverend Jim, but you are traveling all the time. We had to try to book this a couple of times to get you into here because God is not saying, well, he's just small. I'm just going to have him over here. You are going over all over 
traveling, bringing this truth and people are getting healed. You have your own healing center where you live. There's a lot that's going on there. So this is not someone that's just sitting over here, just, you know, whoa, you know, spouting over here off at the mouth about what he believes he thinks. This is not just believes, believes it because he's experienced it. You see people get healed all the time yeah. when they catch this, right? They catch yeah. this fire. Yeah. So Jesus even said to Nicodemus, the things I share with you are the things that I've heard and what I've seen. Yes. And so the same is here. You know, the things I'm sharing is what I've heard and what I've seen. Now, does that make me perfect? Of course not. Does that mean that as I've shared some things about the the, the, the position of humility that I've never gotten in pride? Of course not. But, but what we're saying is there's certain principles that you begin to, to recognize that help you to advance. And there's certain mindsets that you recognize that actually become a hindrance. Even when you made reference to, you know, the things that were our accountability or our responsibility. But but really, even when Paul said over in Philippians in chapter two, he said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So now the word work makes you immediately think of I got to read more, I got to pray more, got to study more. And guess what? Reading more will cause you to be even that much more mentally on God's level, that much more encouraged about what God does. Praying more, there's even more of a spiritual connection. All those things are good. I'm not saying anything about any of them because I do all of them. But the difference is find God in your reading, find God in your prayer. And when Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, do you know what that looks like? It looks like the next verse. And the Amplified said, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, both creating and empowering you with desire and ability to do of his good pleasure, satisfaction and delight. In other words, your work is to actually embrace and believe what God's work is doing in you. <laughs> Your work is not to work. Your work is to embrace what he's doing in you. So that puts me center focus at a place to say, I'm going to go ahead and lay hands on this person, not based on the things I've done, even though I've prepared myself. I'm going to do it based on what God's doing in me. Everything comes back to your connection with Christ. And that's the part that the church has gotten away from is the actual connection with Jesus. Just letting Jesus be so real, you can hear him, you can feel him, you're walking with him. It goes right back to the garden. I'll share, I'll share one story with you. Uh, I found out a couple months ago, there was a lady that contacted me about one of her friends and her friend's name was Natasha, a wonderful lady. 38 years of age, a six-year-old boy, she's a single parent and she's filled with cancer. It's metastasized all through her body. Now she's gone uh, and found out there's new cancer cells in lymph nodes. It's all moved there. She's lost all her weight. She said, I lost my hair. She said, I lost my strength. I lost my dignity. And then I lost all my hope. She went to MD Anderson with her father, hoping to get some type of, a, of an encouragement. And within seconds of them reading her report, looking at her, they walked out the door. She could still hear the door slamming as they said, get your house in order. You're dying. There's no hope. Mm. She said, a friend of mine called me up and said, this is her testimony, called me up and said, there's a preacher who wants to talk with you. His name is Jim Hockaday. Are you willing to talk with him? She said, well, I guess, I guess so. We got on the phone conversation. The first thing he asked me was, is, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? She said, I could say, yes, I do. The second thing he asked me is, is do you think, do you believe that God will heal you fully? 
She said, I did not say yes. I said, I don't know. And she said, why would I say yes? She said, nothing I've done has caused me to have one ounce of any victory at all. And I've gotten worse and worse and I'm a nurse and I know exactly where I am and exactly where I'm going. She said, and I realized I'd not be able to raise my son. She said, then he started telling me story after story after story and began sharing things with me. And right in the middle of a sentence, he stopped and said, there it is. Do you feel that? That's your healing. Do you feel that? And she said, why, I did feel it. It dropped me to my knees. My hands went straight up in the air. I felt heat going down into my arm where those new cancer cells were found in my lymph nodes. She said, my dog who never barks all of a sudden started barking. She said, for the first time, I was actually praising God from my heart. And I knew there was too many coincidences for me to think that it wasn't God. I knew it was God. And I knew that I was healed in that very moment. She said, I didn't want to tell anybody until I had my oncology report. But 10 days later, when I, I finally read it for myself, it said, there is no cancer left in your body. Woo! And exactly what happened, Pamela, was I was talking to her just like you would, like anyone else would that knows the truth about God's wonderful love in his divine healing. But I was waiting on something just like I do with everyone I talk to. I was waiting on the starburst of God, that moment when I sensed him, the Holy Spirit, invade my conversation, move through my lips, move through my belly, move through the airwaves and touch that lady. And the moment it happened, I drew attention to it. The moment she realized it was true, glory to God, there was a connection because without him being involved, as good as I could preach, now I still have to rely totally on somebody to just get it alone. And how are you going to get it alone without the Holy Ghost being involved? Yeah. That's what we were waiting on. That's the moment where something changed and something became so real. Do you know, Jesus said this to the disciples when they were struggling in Mark chapter 9 with that little boy thrown into the fire, thrown into the water. The father came to Jesus. Your disciples tried but could not. He said, what kind of a generation is this in the Message Bible? He said, there's no sense of God, no focus to your lives. How long shall I bear with you? That's what he said about what his disciples were doing. The father said, oh, God, could you help me? He said, can you believe? He said, I believe, help thou my unbelief. We understand that. We remember that. When, when Jesus cast the devil out, then he was alone with the disciples. They said, how come we couldn't cast the devil out? And, of course, in the King James, it says, because your belief. In the Message, it says, because you're not yet taking God seriously. And then we know what Jesus said. This kind comes out by prayer and fasting. Now, he wasn't saying you pray a devil out, you fast a devil out. No, because you cast the devil out. But what he was saying is prayer and fasting is the prescription. Because fasting is turning your back on the world. And how can you find the world that you don't know until you're willing to turn your back on the one that you do? Whoa. Fasting is turning your back on the world in some shape or form whether it's fasting TV, whether it's fasting going out to eat, whether it's fasting food, but it's turning your back on something of the world that feeds your flesh so that you can turn your face toward God, which feeds your spirit. Everything is in a balance. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To be, to be unconscious of the spirit is to be absent or is to be present with the body. So you're either one or the other. And, and you don't multitask. So you're either one or the other. 
So what Jesus was saying is when you spend time with me and turn your back on the world, the things of the spirit will become very real to you. There, there it is again, real, or there'll be a connection to it. And you'll know what to do. Because if you remember Jesus working with that madman of Gadara, remember there was a legion in him. Jesus asked that devil, what is your name? After he already said, come out of him. What does that mean? Jesus said, come out of that man, and the devil did not come out. Did Jesus look at his pistol and say, what happened? I don't have, you know, I got blanks. What am I going to do? Did he panic? No. What did he do? He looked inside for the one who knew the answer. Yes. And what was the answer? To ask that devil, what is your name? Now, did Jesus tell us in the Great Commission, when you cast out devils, get their names? <laughs> no, no, he didn't. How many other times did Jesus get the name in order to cast the devil out? As far as the scriptures reveal, that was the only time. What does that tell us? In order to get that devil out, it took hearing the Holy Ghost saying, Ask its name. And the moment Jesus had that name, we are legion for we are many, that thing started squirming and it looked for anything it could in order to find some type of covering. And it said, can we at least go into the swine? Jesus said yes. And then that devil came out. In other words, helping us to realize one thing, you've got to be connected to the Holy Ghost. This is the day of believers finding God all over again, finding their first love, letting Jesus be real, and no longer wallowing in faith failures, but walking in a demonstration of faith and power. Why? Because God is real. Walking in faith of demonstration and power. I think that's what everybody wants. It's just seemed unreachable, yeah. and it's not. And you're no. touching on so much of this here. and. It is part of the healing package. So people right now that are saying, this all sounds great, Reverend Jim. I'm loving what you're saying because like I felt ostracized from church or, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go to Bible school or God called me and I didn't do it. Or, you know, I just haven't lived a good life, you know, but, you know, now I'm sick or my body has this or that. And I've gone to the healing lines. Nothing's happened. What do you say to them today? Well, the first thing that I come back to is, is when the big rule, the big rule is something that we, when we traveled and we were in a semi-tractor trailer, or we were in that very long bus that we had, you know, where we all slept and traveled, we would do overnights and everything. Uh, the big rule would apply. So when I'm driving in the city, I'm bigger than everybody. So I didn't wait on someone to let me in. <laughs> Okay. Or I might be waiting for some time. Right. I pushed my nose of that big vehicle into the intersection. And then everybody else stopped so that I could make the turn. Right. Now, I'm, I'm also from New York. So put two and two together. But, but, but seriously, the big rule applies. In other words, the more real God is to me, when somebody says something like there's a bad report, you kind of look at them almost funny like, huh, I, I'm struggling to believe that. Or instantly you begin to devalue it, devalue that. In other words, uh, you might have cancer. So, love it. See, see how you respond says a lot about what's real to you. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my God, my whole world just came apart. I've got, they said, I've got cancer. What am I going to do? Well, what do you mean? What are you going to do? You're connected to God, aren't you? Yes. And if the worst thing happened and you died, you'd be with him tomorrow in glory. So, so everything about what you think and what you say should be a devaluing of the whole idea that sickness is even anything and such an exalting that God is everything that you actually have a smile on your face to say, well, this will be easy. Mm-hmm. Amen. It's kind of like, you know, that Office Depot button. Get one of your, get one of those for you and hit it. That was easy. Hit it again. That was easy. Wear the battery out saying that was easy because the truth is maybe the sickness they say in your body isn't as much as what it seems to be. Right. Sometimes if I looked at somebody and says, so there's a tumor in your body. Yeah, there's a tumor in your body. Well, maybe there isn't. Well, what do you mean maybe there isn't? Well, is it possible that it's not there? I mean, you think that it is, but maybe it's possible it's not. And they just look at you sideways and said, well, go ahead and check it right now. And then they check it and realize it just disappeared. See, it's not a mind game. It's a value game. What value do you give sickness and disease? And if you give God the real value of your heart, and again, this is where the world helps us to spin in circles and the church does too. We say things like, well, I love God with all my heart. Well, if it's with all your heart, then look at the last week, the time you spent with him and the time you spent with the world, and then kind of come up with whether or not the percentages show that you love him with all your heart. And what will be real sad is you realize you really love him with a very small portion. Now you have good intentions, but the truth is let God be real. And so for those of you that have been struggling, this is what I'd say, and I'll stop right here. Back up for a moment. Find yourself a park. Go to a beautiful stream. Find yourself a beautiful lake where you can just sit there and get calm and start worshiping God. I bet you tears will start to flow. Yes. I bet you you'll start to sense hair stick up on the back of your neck as your heart just starts to find God. And in that moment, you realize finding him for a second is more powerful than a sickness for a lifetime. And in that moment, sickness will begin to disappear. Don't make this hard. Don't make this difficult. Thank him for our scriptures. Thank him for the church you go to. Thank him for your friends and for the ability to worship and praise him. But in that small little moment where God all of a sudden becomes so real, now you just got your healing. Now you just got your victory. And if you need to keep going back there every day because you just don't want to not have that moment, then maybe you'll find that God will become so real. Instead of having to get healed, you just won't get sick again. Hmm. Pretty cool. That's really cool. It's very touching. It's that starburst of God. I wrote that down. You go away, away with him and wait for the starburst right? Yeah. It's just, he's just so real. And he wants, he wants so badly to express himself through you. Don't shut the door, open it wide. Let him vent through your hands, your eyes, your ears, your body. My goodness. Think of this. If you can pray in other tongues and God can use your tongue by the Holy ghost, then why can't he get in your liver and in your kidney and in your heart and your lungs and in your eyes? Yes. Jesus did one thing. He went to the mountain and he lifted up his hands and he began to pray to the Father. And all of a sudden, glory came all out of him. 
What does that show you? Every time you open your heart to experience God, glory starts to manifest. I know you feel like you've got to go to the top evangelist in the world and have them lay hands on you. And and I'm not putting that down. But you yourself are filled with the glory. That was the great mystery. Christ is now in you. You're filled with his glory. If you'll get quiet for a moment and begin to worship him, that glory will come out of your body, through your clothes, and envelop you. And there won't be a sickness or disease. Amen. In this whole entire world already beaten and defeated by Jesus that could ever stay in the midst of that glory. Yes. Folks, I'm telling you, there's so much more to you than you're giving credit to yourself. Believe in your relationship with God and God will manifest himself through you. That is so powerful. Believe in yourself and believe in your relationship with God and really believe in God that he is who he says he is, right? Yeah. We don't know who he says he is. Well, we've just talked about that for a long time of who he is and he's good and he's your healer and wants to be your best friend and uh, is your Abba, your daddy, your partner, your, your Jehovah Jireh, your healer, your provider, all goodness, all good, all good comes from him, right? Yeah, and you know, there's there's healings that are taking place right now. I'll just be quick with this, but um, you know, I know Pam, there's a lot of ladies that are connected to your program, mm-hmm. and it just immediately came up in me. There's all kinds of uh, nodules and tumors, and some of you may actually know that it's actually breast cancer. I'm just saying right now, they're disappearing one after the other. It's like popcorn, just literally leaving people's bodies as I'm speaking right now. God's touching you. He's healing you. There's thyroid issues being touched and healed by God. Before the sun sets tonight, you'll see change in your body. There's people that have had floaters in your eyes. Literally, they're disappearing as I'm speaking. And there's somebody that's got some difficulty in your um, your bladder. And there's infection there, but it's all disappearing. And I would just encourage you to drink a lot of water. And the next time you end up using the restroom, you'll you'll rejoice. You'll shout, amen. You'll have the victory because God's setting you free. Even right now, hip bones are being realigned and put back in position. And there's some individuals with lower intestinal GI problems, and all of them have just disappeared. Jesus is your healer. This is just permeating the airwaves right now. There's shoulder tension going on in people. And all that is just beginning to relax right now. And the cool thing about it is a lot of the tension you've had in your in your spine goes down into the very base of your spine. All of that is being corrected. God's doing wonderful things right now just because we started talking about him and he just really wants an opportunity to show you how much he loves you so that your faith in him won't just be in the scriptures that you know to be so true. It'll be in the demonstration of those scriptures. And Jesus is doing that right now for you. Someone's heart just got healed. Amen. In fact, it's starting to beat in a way it hasn't beat before. And you're feeling an increase of energy. And I wouldn't sit there on the couch and wait for a doctor to tell me. I just jump up and start running. Running, walking, going up and down stairs. I'm telling you, God's touching you, healing you. Let the victory be yours because he's moving on your behalf. As we speak, Miss Pamela, this has been so fun. And I don't want to take up too much time, but it's been wonderful to be with you and share these things with the people. This has been amazing and glorious. It's been a starburst. I love that. I'm going to hold on to that.